Hello, this is Mike Ghetto and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hop Union. Welcome to the 15th episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. Today we are being joined by Van Halvig from Gigantic Brewing in Portland. Uh, but before we get there, uh, very quickly, Steve, you were just in Idaho. What's, uh, what's going on with the hops down there? Mike, we were not only in Idaho, but uh, Pete and I spent the entire day yesterday just driving around the valley here looking at the crop. Uh, we're trying to put together our first uh, kind of internal read on what the crop looks like. And uh, so far, I think uh, there are some uh, a great, devil, uh, great degree of variability out there. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of early bloom in Simcoe. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of early bloom in uh, Centennial. Uh, it's still early, but my guess today would be those are two varieties that will be somewhat adversely affected by uh, uh, early training dates and just the weather conditions we've seen so far. Um, the rest of the crop looks uh, pretty pretty normal for now, but it's still early. We've got a lot of time to go. There's still time to catch up, and there's still time for things to go the other way as well. So we'll keep a close eye on things and keep our listeners informed as we go. Well, speaking of early, it's uh, it's 10 in the morning here on the East Coast, but or on the West Coast. But uh, <laughs> we're with Van, and we, we started off the day going straight for the Hazy IPA. Uh, mm. So, Van, uh, welcome to our podcast, and uh, what a great beer we're starting off with. Uh, we've got the, uh, it's called the yeah, the Cloud City Hazy IPA, uh, and uh, yeah, right on the bottle, we love yeah. it. You tell us you're with uh, Galaxy Citra and Crystal Hops. Tell us about it, Van, and uh, welcome to our podcast. <clears throat> Thanks. Um, so, we've been making a few Hazy IPAs, and uh, this one, honestly, we just really wanted to make a Star Wars reference to beer. Hence, Cloud City, uh, released in time for the solo movie, which sadly I haven't seen um, because I've been a little busy, but that's okay. But, um, yeah, Cloud City, we uh, we like to mix up the hops a little bit when we're making hazy IPAs. Um, I think everyone's kind of using the same genre of hops all the time, you know, the really bright, citrusy, tropical kind of things, you know. Um, we're just big fans of Crystal. And we tend to use it as a base layer in all of our all of our uh, um, hazy IPAs, and we use it actually we use it as a base layer in a lot of beers. I think it's a really uh, undervalued hop these days, but that's just my personal opinion. Well, Crystal's a great uh, Oregon hop too. I mean, that's a big part of it, right? I mean, you're right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it is a it is a big Oregon hop. Well, it's not, well, it's a great Oregon hop. It's not big in acreage, but um, and, it, and it, like we don't use it because we're Oregon brewers. It's just it's unique. It has a certain set of characteristics that other hops don't have, and um, it's funny. It's it really feels like an old guy hop now. Yeah. So that hop actually came out of Al Honnold's program out of uh, yeah. Oregon State years ago. One of the uh, four sisters that were all triploid Hollertau varieties. Uh, it was our attempt to uh, kind of uh, create a noble hop for the United States, and it was, there was Crystal, there was Mount Hood. There yep. was Liberty, and I believe yep. Ultra was the other Ultra, yep. other of the four four sisters. Um, yeah, I always I always like to think of Crystal as the great failure that made it a great hop. <laughs> because explain that, of, yeah, explain that, Devin. Well, what do you mean by all that? the rest? All the rest of those hops, you know, Hood and Liberty and and Ultra, they actually are fairly good mimics of you know Hollertau type hops. Mm -hmm. um, they're grassy, they're pretty noble characteristics. 
Crystal's a miserable failure at that. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 bright. It's a little bit citrusy. I always think it has this really strong geranium character, mm-hmm. which you know the Germans would just look at and just be like, "Oh, this is just the, this is terrible. You can't make beer out of this." <laughs> yeah. But but as a result, it makes it like I think of Crystal as as almost like you you know a, a, an American version of Holler Tower or something. Yep. And I don't mean like like Mount Hood, but like a, a very different thing. And, that, and to tell you the truth, I've never used that in a lager in my entire life. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's a pale ale hop right there. Yep. How did you get started in brewing, Van? And what, what were you doing before you, you um, helped form Gigantic? Um, I got started in brewing, Jesus, uh, 23 and a half years ago. I was a PhD student in economics at the University of Minnesota, and I lost faith in that, and I dropped out. And uh, I took a job. I took a job at uh, a big brewery called Minnesota Brewing Company, now defunct. But uh, Min Brew made uh, Grain Belt. You'll know some of these beers. Sure. Uh, yeah, Grain Belt and Landmark and Pig's Eye. Mm-hmm. And then we had the contract at the time for Pete's Wicked Ale, mm-hmm. all the Pete's beers, and all the Trader Joe's beers. Strangely, so that was actually a big brewery. We were doing like four hundred thousand barrels a year. Um. And I mainly worked in the wash house, um, which is old brewer talk for uh, cleaning and filling kegs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I started in this big old brewery run by a German guy, and I use all this funny language that no one seems to use anymore. Like, I'll, we'll talk about, oh, we're going to rack that beer to rue and blah, 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 blah. You know, and people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm using these old German terms for, like, putting it into a lager tank because rue comes from you know, to be quiet. So it's a quiet tank, a root tank. Uh, but anyway, I worked there for not that long, uh, like four months, five months. And then uh, I took a job at Rock Bottom Brewery in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked there. I worked with Rock Bottom Breweries for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Minnesota, Maryland, and Portland, mm-hmm. built. I don't know. I guess I helped build three breweries with uh, with Rock Bottom, and then uh, some changes happened at Rock Bottom that I didn't disagree with, and I shot my mouth off about them, and I got fired as a result. <laughs> uh. That was a good day. That was the day I went home and called my dad, and I was like, "Guess who's your son?" <laughs> Did he have a basement room for you? That was a key question, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, so back in the so so I met Van uh, back in uh, in July or August of last year with yeah. our with our regional sales manager uh, Tyson Crudup, mm-hmm. and uh, he said I got to take of this brewery in in Portland. They make great beer. And so we went over and we're starting to chat, Van and I chatting, and uh, okay, Minnesota, Minnesota connection, and then okay, hey, where where exactly, Mankato, and then uh, and then it turns out that Van's mother and my mother grew up in the same little town of Mapleton, oh Minnesota. Goodness. Yeah, uh, population <laughs> about six hundred, maybe uh, Van on a, on a Sunday no, when everybody comes not. in from church. Or no, something. it's 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 about a thousand. About a thousand people. It's than that. Yeah, but uh, just a, a, quite a coincidence, <laughs> and so. So we were, you know, talking about sports. I mean, you you would have gotten to see uh, hopefully the, the the twins and the St. Paul Saints back in yep, the day. And, absolutely. Uh, yep. Uh, but Saint, yeah, St. Paul Saints was a great craft beer uh, stadium. Uh, very early on, they were really mm-hmm. part of the community. But uh, yeah, you know who was maybe the most famous St. Paul Saint of all? Uh, no. 
uh, minor league before he got to center field for the New York Giants. No kidding. Yeah. Willie Mays you uh, was a St. Paul Saint for a year, and he was just oh too goodness. good. Yeah. And uh, But he was probably the most famous, and, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah. When was that? That would have been like 1955 or 56, uh, somewhere in there. They were, they were the AAA team for the Giants, uh, and it was before Minnesota Twins were moved from, uh, from Washington. The, the, the Senators right. moved out in 61. But it was, a, it was so St. Paul yeah. Saints was an old school uh, minor league team, big, big time. And then they kind of went, uh, when the Twins came in, they went away, and then they came back maybe in the 80s or something like that to, to reform mm-hmm. as, a, as a minor league team. But yeah, Willie Mays yeah, was there. Yeah. And they were, uh, they they got reformed by the Vec family, right? That's From, right. Uh, White Sox fame. Vec is a wreck. So the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the games were just a hoot, you know. Yeah. They uh, at the beginning of the season they got a piglet. Yep. And they, <laughs> they put the they put the the balls in a little pouch on the piglet to go out to the mound to get the pitcher, <laughs> and then you could. You could guess the pig's weight by the end of the season, uh, and if you got it right, you won the pig. Only, only in Minnesota, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so fun. That's awesome. Yeah. But you had another. We had another. We were talking. There was another very the most popular sport in Mapleton uh, was curling. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You know, and for whatever reason, curling went really took off in in Minnesota. So it was. Uh, that that hard rock going down the ice with the brooms and everything, and oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was small town Minnesota. But that's that was Van and I. That's where we had that uh, instant yeah. connection. Uh, yeah, <laughs> through yeah. our Cur- through our mothers. Was, I yeah, pe- curling was a big part of my childhood. My, we'd go there in winter, and my grandpa would always be like, "Wouldn't know what to do with my brother." And I'd be like, "You boys want to go see some curling?" We were just excited because they had a really old Coke machine. You could get a Coke in a bottle out of the machine, you know. We thought that was the greatest thing ever. And then we just asked, like, constantly, Custer and Grandpa, what are they doing now? What are they doing now? What are they doing now? <laughs> well, they're throwing the stone. That, Shut up, they're throwing the stone. There had to be a lot of beer involved when that game was invented. That, that's all I'm thinking. <laughs> it, it's a Scottish yeah. game. Is that is that right or, or not? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a Scottish game. And the weird thing about it, is uh, because the stones that they throw are actual stones, they weigh different amounts. There's not a standard stone. Hmm. So part of the skill in that game is sort of feeling how heavy any particular stone is and being like, okay, this is what I got to do with this one. It's a weird thing. And they used to measure men's weight by stones or horses by stone too, right? Back in the sure. day, they'd say, well, that's a 10 stone horse or whatever. It's like, well, what the hell? Well, how much is <laughs> a, how many pounds no, is they, a stone, right? You know, the English still do. It's crazy. You go to, you watch, you watch soccer in England. They'll be like, oh, John Barnes, he's a big lad, weighs 14 stones. And you're like, and you're like, no, I got to multiply four. It's uh, one stone is 14 pounds. You're like, I got to multiply 14 by 14 to figure out how big this guy is. This is the dumbest measurement ever. Heck with this uh, efficient metric system, right? Uh, we're going to stick with the stones. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But they do. But speaking of, of soccer, the World Cup, uh, Van, you're a big fan of, of, of soccer as well. It was quite a game yesterday, but a uh, match between Belgium and Japan, huh? Oh, man, it was epic. And I was super excited to see. I don't know if you guys are watching any of this, but there's a guy who plays for Belgium, Fellaini, who's like 6'5". He's this tall, gawky dude, and he has this enormous ridiculous fro that sticks out like six inches from his head <laughs> <laughs> so just to watch that guy run around the field is awesome 
But they're, 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 I mean, they're, 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 they're doing really well. I mean, so many other teams have fallen aside, you yeah. know. Yeah. Belgium's got a great team. I, I am not a soccer fan. I hate to admit that in front of the entire listening world here, but uh, I do, I, I really enjoy, we've got an office in Brussels. In fact, we had a conference call this morning with, with Dennis, who heads up that office, and they were so excited at this, this, uh, football game where uh, Belgium <laughs> uh, ended up winning it in very exciting fashion and uh, uh, it just it truly is a, a world sport even though us uh, fuddy-duddy Americans are focused on other things at the time. Yeah. Most of our that's staff though is in mourning though with Mexico losing yesterday. That, that's true we, we uh, did uh, I had Pete with me Pedro Venegas uh, helps me out in procur procurement as we were looking around uh, at hops yesterday we had the Mexico-Brazil game on, mm -hmm. and uh, just to show how much I love Pedro and the fact that uh, <laughs> he was interested in, in the outcome of that game. It turned out it wasn't so good for Mexico, but uh, uh, no. Brazil's got a strong team, I know. Yeah, Neymar. Yeah. There's a lot of controversy uh, with Neymar and how he was playing, and, and uh, what do you call it, uh, Van, when you fall? You don't really get hit by anybody, but you just flop over like you've been diving. Diving, diving, diving. Or flop. They call it a flop, <laughs> right? Flop, yeah. yeah. So, so here, diving. And Neymar embellishes. But, like, he's the worst. But, guys, here's the thing. You know, in baseball, the ball hits you. You're taught not to rub it. Just run down to first base. You don't flop all the way down there and do somersaults and all that type of thing. And soccer, I okay. mean, I, I've Okay, watched. hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> if, you get, if you get hit by the baseball... Do you get an advantage from that? Well, you get, you get a base. first base. You get a yeah. base. Yep. Right. Okay, but it's first base, right? That's right. In, in, in soccer, if I can draw a penalty somewhere close to the box, right, to the to the, to the 18-yard line there, right, then the potential to score a goal is very, very high. The number of goals scored off set pieces is very, very high. So the, so the risk-reward relationship for drawing penalties – in certain areas of the field is enormous, and that's why players do it. So there's a premium for drama, then, is what you're saying. Well, there's a premium for cheating, is well, what you're really well, saying. Well, <laughs> yeah, but people cheat like people don't cheat in baseball. <laughs> no one's ever heard of cheating. There's but, never been a pitcher who scuffed a ball. But, but you don't cheat when you're never making happened. beer, Van, right? I mean, you, you don't cheat when you're making beer, right? It's not a sport. <laughs> Fair enough. It's not fun. It's just hard work. That's all yeah, it is. That's but true. you, so you, I mean, so... You grew up, what being more of a an Angels fan, I guess, right? Or California Angels? Yeah, cause, and... yeah, cause, yeah, because I grew up in uh, as a kid. I grew up in a town called Fullerton, mm -hmm. uh, which is okay. just north of Anaheim. Yeah, sure. And so... uh, we could literally see the A, the big A, from my my parents' bedroom. Nice. Oh, awesome. You know, and, and was... so yeah, I was like an Angels Kids Club member. You know. Sure. Um, so what, what, what were the what were the teams? Uh, not, you know, how old were you, Van? What, what were the teams you were watching? Were they the the late seventies kind of or mid yeah, late seventies, yeah. early eighties? Yeah. So that I would mean, have been like Don Baylor era, right? Speaking of a guy that used to get hit by a lot of baseballs, uh, he was yeah. Well, um, oh, uh, Nolan Ryan. Yeah, no, Nolan Ryan, Ryan Frank Tanana probably was yep. was also on the <laughs> yep. pitching staff. Yeah. Yeah, and then for and then we'd go to Dodgers games too because you know it's not that far away. Yep. And uh, you know that was in the whole. That was like early Fernando Valenzuela and you know oh, Ron sure. Say and a bunch of guys like Steve that. Steve Garvey and Ron Say. Steve Garvey, Rocha. absolutely. Steve Garvey, yeah. Davey yeah. Lopez. Ron Say was a Washington State Cougar. Played oh, was third he? base for the Cougars. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. Yep. Yep. 
No, look, that's both both uh, the Angels and the uh, the Dodgers had some good teams back then. They did. Yep. Yeah, they had some good players at least. And uh, I also, as a kid, I was also really excited about uh, the Angels because Gene Autry was one of their owners. And oh, I thought sure. that was oh, cool. Sure. They had a Cowboys owner. Oh, Cowboy. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but hilariously, because uh, as a really little kid, I lived in Massachusetts. I remember every time you got to vote for, uh, for uh, All-Stars. I would mm-hmm. always vote for Carl Yastrzemski. Oh, sure. Always. Yeah. Yep. I'd always be like, yes, Red Sox, vote for him every time. He's my favorite player as a kid. Good oh. ball player and good guy, too. Yeah. Won that triple crown back in the 67, 67. I think. Yeah. 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 The year they beat the Twins, like in the last week of the uh, the season, the Twins yep. collapsed. Yep. And, uh, yep. Anyway, so so uh, what do you so when you're in Portland now, are you following the Mariners or the Hillsboro Hops or the Portland Pickles or what are you doing uh, for baseball <laughs> the, in Portland? The, the the games that we tend to go to are Portland Pickles games because they're they're it's so it's it's awesome because it's super low key ball. Um, it's you know it's like college kids on summer break. Yep, you know? exactly. I think it's called like the it's called the Golden West League. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. the ping of the aluminum bat. You yep. know? And yeah, the, the the Pippins here in Yakima play in that league too. That's a Western league, right? Well, they play wood yeah. bats, so I know. Uh, I went to my very oh, first Pippins changed. game. Uh, I went to my very first Pippins game this Saturday. It was a gorgeous night. Yeah, it's a great setting when you can see Terrace Heights and Sela, <clears throat> but beautiful. And they were playing uh, Bellingham. But yeah, all all college kids, like you say, and uh, yeah. You know, good, good, good players. It's fun yep. to watch. And it's a good, I'm, entertaining baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan, and I still haven't been to a Pippins game. I, I will go. We're oh, having yeah. a big event the end of July. I'll yep. go to that game. Yep. But uh, I'm still protesting and still and mourning and still <laughs> dealing with deep depression because Hillsboro not only stole our team, the Yakima Bears, but they also oh. stole a piece of my heritage by naming them the Hops. I thought that would be such a great thing to have, you know, the Yakima Hops or yep. the Yakima right. Cascades or something. And, yeah. and gosh, okay, the team's moving to Hillsboro. Oh, that's too bad. Gosh, we won't have a team now. And, they and then, call themselves oh, the we're going to call ourselves the Hops. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, they should, and they they don't even, killed me. That's not even the right part of Valley to grow, the, to grow hops. In. They should have <laughs> called themselves the Filberts or something like that, you know? <laughs> the hazelnuts. Yeah. The hazelnuts. The yeah. fighting yeah. hazelnuts. Yeah. No, no, no. We would call them the Filberts. This is Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Pippins. Well, at least it's a, it's an agricultural product, which at least we've got the Pippins in there. It's it a is. variety of apple. Uh, and, and as you know, anyone that's gone to one of these beer festivals, you know I've got a hops uh, baseball uniform that I wear to those. I just... I love the name, but I'm still so disappointed that uh, we we lost our team and our heritage and everything else in the process. Yeah, just turning the knife a little bit, huh? Yeah. Well, tell us yeah, a little bit sorry. more about uh, Gigantic Brewing uh, Van. I mean, you guys make terrific beer, uh, and you've got some great Thank labels. You. And, uh, yeah, what, what's, I mean, you know, Portland and, and yourselves are still right at the cutting edge of uh, of all things craft, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the way I like to describe Portland is, you know, we won here. Yeah. Um, there, there, no one talks about craft beer in Portland. Nobody does. No, you just talk about beer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yep. I mean, if, if you look at if you look at the percent of draft beer consumed in Portland, that's made, you know, that's, that's basically made by craft breweries or X. I'm not going to count the X craft. I don't want to get into it. But, you know, yep, that sort of thing. I mean, it's 
it's 85% of the draft beer around here is, is craft. Um, I mean, it's the, the, the very large breweries. It's hard to find a draft handle. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Portland continues to just, it's just our culture, you know? Um, but gigantic, we're, we're six years old. Um, and, uh, we, we only have a few beers that we make all the time. And then we kind of rotate through a lot of different beers, make them sort of once and then move on. And, um, we work with artists to do our labels. Uh, we've got a couple of people that are friends of ours who are, uh, either, either represent artists at a gallery level or are working artists themselves. And they sort of liaise with artists for us. So we have people doing labels from Japan, Mexico, Germany, Spain, East Coast of the U.S., West Coast of the U.S., um, you know, all, all, all over the place, really. And uh, we think of ourselves as sort of an, uh, an artist-supporting brewery. That's mm-hmm. how we sort of think of ourselves. So, yeah, it's kind of what we do. How much of your uh, sales are out of your tap room there, and how much are going on bottles uh, roughly in, uh, percentage-wise, Van? percentage-wise by volume, we're about, I don't know, maybe 13, 14% out of the, out of the tap room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all in all, we're about a quarter bottle, mm-hmm. about 75% draft. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Um, and we move, we move beer a lot of places. Uh, we're across the whole, you know, American West and we send a little bit of beer into New England and New York, New Jersey and, uh, we send some beer to Japan just because if you're not big in Japan, what's the point? Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. You gotta be a big fan. Hey. Um, and, uh, weirdly we send a halfway decent amount of beer to Scandinavia. There's a, there's a kind of, there's a guy who's a Norwegian American from Vancouver, Washington, who has lived in Norway for a while now. And he imports Northwest beers into Norway and that's now moving into uh, Sweden and Denmark, and that's oddly a reason. I mean, that we might that might be five or eight percent of our sales might be going to Scandinavia right now. Well, bizarrely, good beer. I mean, uh, well, it's, it's it's maybe it's your name too, you know. So uh, yeah, they're like, oh, it's a havoc. So <laughs> it can't be that bad. The, the Scandinavians love craft beer too. I know that's that's a oh, fast-growing part yep. of our that's a huge our part, market yeah. for hops is uh, up in Scandinavia. So that's a good place to be uh, getting your beer into. Well, I like yeah. your. Oh, I mean, no, go ahead. I was going to say all of Northern Europe, except for Germany, is is booming. I mean, you know, in, English craft beer and Dutch, uh, yeah, and all of Scandinavia, it's just it's exploding. It, yep, it's crazy. Absolutely, we're we're adding some uh, extra salespeople out there just because it is really doing well, and uh, yeah. it's uh, it, it's funny we think about. Uh, you know, things like craft and food as importing everything into the U.S., but really uh, uh, sort of American variations of craft and certainly our hops are things that are going back across the pond that way, and it's pretty fun to be part of. Oh, man, it's 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 exciting. Like, as, a, as an American brewer, it's exciting because, again, I'm sort of, I'm not the oldest guard of craft brewer, but I'm kind of the second, you know, if you look at, like, the kind of Ken Grossman kind of generation, right, I'm kind of the next generation after that, started brewing in the 90s. Mm -hmm. mid 90s and i'm still of that generation where you know the beer you learned about was whatever pilsner or quell that's eight months old Mm -hmm. you know or british beer that's a year old you're drinking and being like oh this is really cool you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's 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 fascinating to be sort of sending completely different new beers beers that we as american brewers have developed that have 
you know, only the slightest semblance to what was, was happening in Europe mm-hmm. for time immemorial. That... And then really affecting them in a huge way. It's, it's like we're turning the tables. There, there's a lot of things to love about the craft culture van, and, but, but one of them is just the fact that the consumers of craft beer, they want freedom of choice. They want something that's a little bit different. And the, the exciting thing for me about it is they want to hear the story behind the beer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you do it. I mean, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're very proud of it, but it, you, you list all of the hops you've got on every beer and that is so cool from a from a from a consumer's perspective. Yeah. And we just had homebrew conference last week in Portland, yep. And and the number of uh, homebrewers coming up and getting the, the various samples of our different hops. And part of it is they've gone to breweries like yours or else other other um, crafters around the United States, and they read about it. They want to try it. Then they can go to a place like Homebrewer. They can get it online from one of the distributors yep. or whoever. But they can say, oh, here's a, this is a mosaic or here's the crystal or here's the citra or whatever it is. And uh, yep. very exciting to be part of that and uh, to see the growth of that uh, um, interest in, in really the hops that go into these great beers that you all are making from the hops. And that's pretty exciting to be part of. It's interesting, too, because uh, because hop varietals have begun to get a name, you know, people have some understanding of what citra is, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's not the same as what has happened with varietals and wine, but it starts to give people an ability to talk about beer that they didn't have before. Mm-hmm. So one thing that's always difficult, like I've been involved in pubs and small breweries for a very long time, and yeah, I've had to train a lot of people on how to talk about beer. And one thing that's tough about it is people are used to talking about food mm-hmm. as ingredients, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you you know, so when you say describe a beer, they're like, well, it tastes like beer. Well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, you, you have to get them to, to figure it out. And so one of the great things about hot bridles becoming more in the fore is I don't really ever want to get to a place where people are like, oh, this tastes like citra. But I want them to be able to sort of be like, oh, this is really very citrusy and it has these certain flavors and oh and it's made with citra i understand what that does now. yep mm-hmm. you know oh and this beer is made with mosaic like, mosaic's not a flavor but they're gonna be like oh it's got all these you know berry flavors and it's got all these uh you know sort of mango eaters oh i get it that's from from mosaic and so they can start to build sort of a vocabulary and understanding of how beer flavor develops is sort of happening because varietals are getting known. I think that's pretty cool. It is very cool. And back to like you said about uh, the crystal, you know, it'd be great to have you have somebody go into your tap room and say, okay, what do you have with crystal on it? Uh, you talked about right. it having that geranium uh, aroma. I'd like to try something. What are you making with that? That would be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. We're, we've yeah. talked quite a bit about trying to rethink some of these descriptors to make it easier for consumers to think about and. Uh, you know, you know, it's just it's just part of what's evolving and uh, very cool. And, and as we go back with our our growers and, and, and the, the hop breeding programs and so on, to be able to give that type of feedback is pretty meaningful to them as well when they hear back from people like you and others that are saying, hey, this is what yeah. consumers are looking for and those are the, the profiles of aroma they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It, it's, it's all really interesting. It's amazing too, like the kind of just the – in the last 10 years, the different kinds of aromas that are coming out of hops is, is totally fascinating. Yep. You know, um, it's, it's a different, it's a different world now, you know? 
Well, well it's, very, it's very interesting. And, and, and Van, uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, your, your busy schedule to, to be with Steve and I today. Uh, we really appreciate it. We, we have had a great relationship with you. We really love the beer you make. And uh, Thank you. We try every day. Uh, so you do a great job. And, uh, no, this is fantastic stuff. So thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Van, Van, to use a little baseball analogy and kind of, kind of combine it with the hops, uh, <laughs> We are wishing you nothing but good hops for now and into the future. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, Van. Well, Steve, All right. Cheers, guys. You know, this, uh, we had the, uh, the hop report, the hop acreage report come out now. Yeah. And uh, a little surprising, uh, more acreage than we were expecting, uh, I guess, uh, primarily on some of the, uh, the big alpha hops, CTZ, simply because, you know, the, the market for those those hops are pretty tight right now. But uh, Citra going up now, the number one hop uh, acreage in the United States because of the popularity of of IPAs, in particular hazies, is really uh, something we've seen now in the last year or two. Yeah, I think the increase in Citra is certainly just a reaction by the industry to, uh, to meet demand. Yep. And uh, we know a lot of, uh, as Van mentioned, uh, with a lot of these especially hazy IPAs, they yep. seem to be using varieties like uh, Citra and Mosaic for those beers. And, and so I'm, I'm happy to see that. Um, We've seen some other adjustments in acreage of, of hops that maybe be a little bit uh, overproduced, uh, Citrus Centennial. Um, Cascade and Centennial. Uh, yeah. yeah, Cascade and Centennial, sorry. Yeah. There's too many C varieties out there to keep track of. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, it, it surprised me a little bit. I was expecting uh, 2 2.5% increase, and I think overall in the Pacific Northwest, we've got about a 3.7% increase. Like you say, a lot of them are alpha hops, yep. uh, which uh, um, I, I think uh, intuitively the demand should be there. We're still keeping a very close eye on what's going on in uh, Germany, yep. uh, where they seem to have a bit of a, of a distressed crop at this point uh, with some early bloom and and. They've had some rain, but uh, the uh, the heat units are still there, and mm -hmm. uh, um, so we continue to keep an eye on what's going on there as well. Yep, uh, a little bit higher um, acreage than we expected, but percentage-wise, it's the lowest increase we've had in the United States in quite some time, so it probably helps get things back in balance a little bit this year, see what the final yields are. I know you've got your uh, first big preliminary preliminary yield and acreage estimate coming out here in mid-month with Pete, and uh, we'll see where that leaves us, at, at least as a preliminary estimate, before we go into the uh, the harvest season. Yeah, we're compiling those numbers right now. Uh, Pete and I have actually the afternoon blocked off to kind of go over those numbers and, and get them into the format where we can see what they mean. Uh, but uh, And we'll also have, we'll put together, kind of based on that information, we'll put together sometime in the next couple of weeks uh, a crop report out on our blog so that our listeners are able to uh, uh, kind of get our feed uh, feedback on uh, what we see out there in terms of this uh, crop as uh, it continues to develop. Very good. Well, uh, we can't get by the week without saying another good week for the Mariners, another week of amazing one-run victories. Quite remarkable. It, it, it is. Uh, it just continues, as Dave Niehaus used to say, and uh, we've got the uh, Angels coming into town. Uh, hopefully we can uh, put them out of their misery. They're 10 yep. games back of the Mariners right now for that last wild card yep. uh, spot, and uh, we'll see what happens. Almost to the all-star break. Yeah. So, uh, July 17th, I think, is the game this year. So hard to real fast. Hard to believe we're uh, more than halfway through the baseball season, and 
more than halfway through the hop season as well. That's right. Well, happy Independence Day to, to you and your family, and uh, we'll talk next week again. Same to you. Thanks.